Hello, Centerweight Church. I'm Deidre. And I'm Priscilla. And we're here to welcome you and give you some information to start off our gathering today. If you're on the Sunday Morning Live platform right now, feel free to say hi in the chat as we get started. We're so thankful to be gathering with all of you today. There are a number of people we want to say hello to. So welcome to those of you gathered live on Sunday morning. Uh, maybe you're on your own or in watch parties. And hello to everyone watching or listening later on in the week. A very special welcome to any guests joining us for the very first time. We're so thankful for everyone who's spending their time here. We want you all to feel at home even though we're online. If you're a guest, that may be more of a challenge, but we're going to share some information that we talk through every week, mainly to help you, our guests, but hopefully it will be informative for everyone. First, here's a bit of information about the live platform in case you're joining us there. You'll find tabs that will allow you to do the following things. You can share your information with us, which we definitely love if it's your first visit. You can explore next steps, find previous messages, and even in share this message if you'd like. There's also a tab to give um, for those of you that call Centerway home and would like to conveniently give that way. You can also ask questions or request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're watching or listening to this message later in the week and not on the live platform, you can do many of the things Deidre just mentioned through our website, for anyone out there who has questions, feedback, ideas, or needs prayer, we would love to help and serve you. Please just email us at connect at centerweightchurch.com. Some other ways you can connect is via the resources and next steps on our website. Everything there is designed to go with the message and help you grow in your spiritual journey. Deidre is going to give you a quick look at a few of yeah. them. You'll definitely want to check out the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that our team creates. Not only are they posted on the website, but you can have them sent directly to your inbox if you subscribe right on the Next Steps page of the website. We also create images to put on your phone or your desktop to remind you of the weekly application question. And the last thing I'll mention is for anyone with kids in their home, there's a kid-friendly message being shared from the same scripture text that you're about to hear so that it's easier to discuss the message and grow together as a family. There are two main places on our website to find the resources that we mentioned as well as others that we didn't. And that's the messages page and the next steps page. And we have one last thing to share and that is about our new cycle of circles starting in February. Joining a circle will allow you to gather with a smaller group of people and discuss how you're applying the scripture and be able to discuss the message. It's also just a really refreshing way to spend some time and laugh and do life together. Circles could also be a great next step for you to take. And this cycle, we're offering an online circle via Zoom and an in-person circle as well as a student circle. Details and signups for those two can be found at different places on our website, on the calendar page, and the Next Steps page. And if you're on our mailing list, you'll also be receiving an email with all the details. And I can't wait for our new circle to start. I'm really excited. Yeah. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Karen will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. Then right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. And here's Karen with the text for today. Good morning, Centerway. My name is Karen, and I'll be reading the scripture today from Mark 7, verses 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, 
Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines of the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Hello and welcome. My name is Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church and uh, really excited that you're able to be with us this morning as we continue in the Unnoticed series. Uh, this morning's message is entitled Love, so Unnoticed Love. And as you just heard read, it's a rather long or large chunk of scripture this morning. And uh, the reason why it's so uh, large is because there's really one main theme that runs throughout all these verses. Uh, the first chunk of scripture, the verses 1 through 13, are really a record of an interaction between uh, Jesus and some Pharisees, as you just heard, and some scribes. And then really the, the second chunk of scripture, verses 14 through 23, are really dedicated to explaining that interaction and kind of its consequences, uh, this idea of defilement and what that looks like. Uh, consequences, right? <laughs> there's always consequences. It seems uh, there's nothing that we do in this world that does not in some way have consequences. We love to think that we can live a static life, but that's just not the reality. Uh, even if we think that what we're doing is harmless or even right, the fact is there are consequences for our actions and we need to consider those consequences. I remember when I was a kid, I had such a hard time grasping that reality. Maybe all kids do, but it just seemed like at every turn I was living in the moment. It was as if I was oblivious to the consequences of my actions. And, uh, I remember one time in particular, I was around six or seven years old and, uh, 
I met someone that was maybe three to four, if I'm honest, probably four to five times my age. And, um, I just, when I met her, I, I knew that maybe she would be the one. I mean, I was a mere six or seven years old and she was in her twenties, but I could tell that there was, there was a connection, you know, and if you've ever been a, a little kid kind of infatuated with an older person, you know what I'm talking about, this irrational approach to like, maybe there's a chance, you know, and I, I wanted so bad to impress her. And so I thought at first, like, maybe I could impress her by uh, making her laugh. And so quickly, you know, I joked around, I did what we call showing off, you know, and uh, she laughed and I thought, hey, <laughs> that's a mighty nice laugh you have there. Like maybe we have a, a shot here. And uh, then I continued to attempt to impress her and um, asked if she wanted to like play, you know, like you want to go play and we can, we can, you know, go on a slide together or swing or anything. And uh, she was not interested in that. And so I went to the, the next immediate obvious uh, choice and that was to show her my muscles. And um, you know, it's in fact, how I convinced Meredith to marry me <laughs> was a, a little uh, a little gun show, if you will. But in either case, um, <laughs> this woman on this in particular day uh, was less than impressed with my six to seven year old biceps, which I was probably flexing somewhere around here. And um, and so uh, she just you know told me to kind of stop. <laughs> and I was a little bit embarrassed. I thought, wow, this is really made a turn. Like I thought we had a connection here. And uh, so in the in the the midst of of her continuing to uh to speak i just i just stood up was like listen like i don't understand what your problem is i, I i'm just trying to to get to know you a little bit better i like you and it was right at this moment that I think she just had enough. And so my first grade substitute teacher looked at me and said Claude <laughs> enough already I'm done with you making the class laugh. We're done seeing your muscles. We're done with all of it. Playtime, you know what? Is not in the cards for you today. You just lost recess. What? But I, but I love you. Like, why are you rejecting me like this? I just, I sat down so confused, like, there were consequences for my action. I, I thought it was such a pure motive. I, I thought we, we had a thing and it was, it was really just the beginning of a lot of moments in my life where I realized there were consequences for my actions regardless of my motive. And um, you know, she turned out to be a meanie pants anyway, so it's fine, <laughs> her loss. You know, and now she's like in her 70s or 80s or something. Anyway, in either case, the fact is, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. This room is just coming unglued, so I'm trying to keep it together. Um, as funny as that is, as funny as that is, the it's also tragic, right? It's also tragic because if we're honest, we don't grow out of this. We don't grow out of this need to be perceived a specific way or a certain way by some people. In fact, the question I want to ask you is why do we care about how certain people perceive us? Why do we care about how certain people perceive us? I want to tell you that the reason why we care, the reason why we never grow out of this need to be perceived a certain way is because we derive a sense of worth, a sense of importance, a sense of lovability 
from the way that other people perceive us. Like I said, we don't grow, uh, grow out of this. We do it with, with classmates. If you're a student today, we do it with friends. We do it with teachers. We do it with bosses, with coworkers. We even do it with our kids. There's a specific way we want our kids to perceive us. We do it with our parents. The list goes on. We even do it with our spouses if you're married. Whether it's a little or a lot, the fact is we care about how certain people perceive us. And I know that some people love to pretend that that's not the case. And maybe outwardly you're saying like, I don't care what anybody thinks. The reality is if we went through a list, there would be somebody that we would ask about that you're like, well, I kind of care about that. I care about how they perceive me, what they think about me. We don't always consider the consequences of living that way of living in a way that, that cares so much about how other people perceive us, living in a way of trying to keep the outside world a specific way and perceived a specific way. You know, this is a, it's a human condition. It's a reality, regardless of your age, I've already mentioned, regardless of where you come from, this is a human condition. And if we all do it on some level, it only stands to reason that our default would be to do the same with God. We care about how God perceives us, right? It's only logical that we have this tension even at how we're perceived by God himself. In fact, it's why we interpret certain situations a certain way. Why does God seem not to love me? Why is it that he seems not to care? Have I not performed enough? Have I not done enough religious activity? Why is it that God maybe perceives me this way? We care. We care. In fact, there's a name for it. It's called legalism. And let's see how Jesus addresses this idea of legalism in the text this morning. We pick up the story where we have these Pharisees and scribes. They've traveled all the way from Jerusalem to quite literally entrap Jesus. That's the goal here. They've had enough of him. And so they're looking for him and his disciples to do something wrong. And from their perspective, they've just gotten that opportunity. The disciples have eaten without washing their hands first in a very specific way. And now we have to to notice something important here in the text that um, they have not broken a law. All right. They haven't broken a law. They've violated um, a tradition. And so we need to understand that because uh, it's going to play a part in things. Jesus never breaks the law. He actually fulfills ceremonial law. We'll understand that a little bit further. In verse 5, we pick up the story. It says this. It says, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, meaning Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? Not the law, the tradition of the elders. But eat with defiled hands. But eat with defiled hands. So the tradition of the elders. So here's a little bit of context. The law actually required the high priest to go through a cleansing process before going into what was called the Holy of Holies. And once a year, he would enter and he would go past a a very thick cloth, a, a, a drape that would fall to the ground. He would pass through that into a room called the Holy of Holies and he would approach what is called the mercy seat. And God would, God himself would come and, and rest on the mercy seat one time a year. And the high priest would make a sacrifice, make atonement for the sins of Israel. And generations of well-meaning people 
saw this process of cleansing and begin to add on to it. Like if, if the high priest has to go through this cleansing process, and I'm oversimplifying something that was very complex. If, if the high priest has to go through this and, and the priests are required to cleanse themselves when going into the temple, then maybe we need to be a little more serious about our cleanliness. And so there were traditions that started to come about in order to impress God and to impress others. We're not like the other people. We're Israelites. We clean ourselves. We are against defilement. The way we clean the outside of our, um, of our plates and the way that we clean even the outside of our tombs, as Jesus addresses at one point. But there's all this, this cleaning process that we go through to impress, to impress God. And so it's imposed upon the Jewish people. And so if, at face value, I mean, this isn't a bad thing, right? It's not bad to say, listen, we should be kind of clean. And uh, what's the deal with your disciples not following the traditions, the added on rules that we've contributed? Why are they violating that? You see, when we look at things at face value, we can justify just about any action that we take. Because we know our motives. We know that it's a righteous motive or it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not malicious. But the fact is there's consequences to all the decisions we make. We want to be seen as clean. They wanted to be seen as clean. Seen as righteous. Perceived as righteous. Or even religious. Again, it's called legalism. Which interestingly enough is also called externalism, externalism. It means making sure that that which is outside, that which is external, looks white, looks right, looks correct, appropriate. And Jesus addresses this head on by, by quoting Isaiah in a rather aggressive manner. In verses six through eight, he addresses the Pharisees. and says this, and he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? calls them hypocrites right to their face. As it is written, and then he quotes Isaiah, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. And then Jesus walks away from, from the quote and looks at them and says, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. States it plainly. You're leaving that which God has said, and you're elevating that which man has said. They've elevated the traditions of humanity or what culture is saying over what the Bible is saying. It's a timely word, right? We don't outpace that. That's, that's what we deal with in our world today, some 2,000 years later. This tension of elevating the tradition of culture, what it is that culture is imposing upon us over the Bible. And, and then they, they compound that reality with an external focus. Let's say if, if you behave properly, then we know that you're right, that you're righteous, that you're good. Just fake it until you make it. As long as it seems polished on the outside, that's all we care about it. Just behave do what you're supposed to do. It sounds familiar, right? It's why people have a, a misperception of what Christianity is all about. 
They look at Christianity and they think it's legalism, that it's about acting, that you have it all together, but they realize that we're just as human as everyone else, that we have our trappings and our difficulties. Christian or not, it's a human condition. And so Christian or not, maybe you look as if everything is okay today. And maybe you're fooling people, but you're not fooling yourself. And more importantly, you're not fooling God. He sees the condition of your heart, the brokenness of who you are, of of, of the situations and the circumstances that weigh heavily. And you put on your happy face and you go through the motions. And in some way, you live a legalistic, exhausting version of your life. But there's consequences to that, that fake life. If I can, just for a moment, speak to, to just the Christians. And I know that there is a wide variety of people that are tuning in, whether it's live or after the fact, but to the Christians. With our lips, we say we love God, but we often elevate the tradition of humanity. We elevate the politics of the day, the, the concerns of this world. We elevate what experts say. We elevate what athletes say. We elevate what celebrities say. Heck, we, we even elevate what our own heart says. And when we do that, we're elevating it greater to or equal to the authority of Scripture. And it's dangerous. To say the least, it's dangerous. It's, it's not anything close to what God intends. You see, even when Jesus addressed, addressed things head on, whether it was being tempted by the devil himself or in any type of difficulty with Pharisees or rulers of the day, he always replied with, it is written. It is written. Jesus, God himself, is saying, listen, the authority of Scripture is what should be elevated in this moment. This is what is written. We need to have a biblical literacy. We need to lean into what it is that the Word of God says and how it informs our everyday, more so than what culture says, what the tradition of men says, what it is that that the pressures and the worries of this world says. Are we living according to the Word of God or are we living according to maybe our own heart? When you function this way, when, when you function in elevating the authority of other things equivalent to the Bible, which we all do, in that moment, we're no longer worshiping God. And the the natural next step is to elevate others. We elevate others' opinions. It's the mark of being entrenched in legalism. It's the mark of being entrenched in legalism. Listen, are we more concerned about the behavior of others than we are the condition of our own heart. Let me say that again. Because, spoiler alert, we all are. Let me ask a rhetorical question one more time to reflect on. Are we more concerned about the behavior of others than we are the condition of our own heart? That's a mark of legalism. That's what these Pharisees are doing. They're so concerned about what the disciples are doing and what Jesus is doing that that they're not even looking at the condition of their own heart. It's going entirely unnoticed. You see, what Jesus is saying is that the Bible is not about compliance to rules. It's about our heart. 
It's about our heart. It's about the condition of our heart. See, don't miss this. Jesus never says that his disciples are clean. He doesn't look at the Pharisees and say, you know what? They're perfectly clean. He doesn't say that. He's addressing the root issue that they've elevated tradition of men over what's actually happening in this moment. You see, he agrees with the Pharisees. He agrees with the Pharisees that the disciples are unclean. But he's saying that the source of their defilement is not external. He's saying, listen, I agree that they're unclean, but the problem is not this external cleanliness process. It's actually internal. And by the way, you Pharisees, you're unclean as well. Nobody likes to hear that. Verses 14 through 15 go on in this conversation of defilement. And he, Jesus, called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now, he's not saying that there aren't things that you can put into your body that are dangerous. He's not, he's not talking that you could just do whatever you want. No, he's not saying that. He's saying when we're talking about the conversation of defilement, this isn't an external issue. This is an internal issue that flows out and is an expression of our sin condition. Jesus is, is saying that we, are, yeah, that we are unclean not because of our external condition, but because of our internal condition. There's something going on within us. He's saying we are what's wrong. We are. The problem is in us. Our heart is corrupt and there are consequences. Our heart, our very heart is corrupt. Our inner being, our id, our identity, it is corrupt and there are consequences for that. Now, I feel like I need to do a side note. If you're not familiar with scripture at all, you might assume that maybe there's something wrong with your Bible because verse 16 is missing. <laughs> I need to let you know that that is not a mistake. Verse 16 was actually in, and it might be, depending on what translation that you're reading, it might be present. Uh, what it basically said is, uh, those that have ears, let them hear. Okay, that's what verse 16 traditionally says. It's been removed from most current translations. And the reason is because when they looked at the original text in the original Greek, uh, it was written after the fact that a scribe added verse 16 as something to say, listen, we really need to hear this. <laughs> and again, I think contributing to the authenticity of scripture, uh, they said that's not what the text said. So even though it's important and we should be listening to it, we should remove verse 16 because that's not in the original text. So verse 16 is removed, not because it's missing, not because it's inherently bad, but because it wasn't in the original text. So I'm grateful for that. You also have to realize that verses were added after the fact. So the original text would have just continued moving on in our current reality. We have to remove a verse. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to us. I don't want to take any more time. Just want to let you know it's not a mistake. If we move on and say verse, verses 20 through 23, and we pick up and continue on this idea of the fact that our heart is corrupt and there are consequences in verse 20, and he said, this is Jesus speaking again. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, so out of the heart, come evil thoughts, 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. Jesus is putting handles on things that, that honestly are a devastating blow to the people that are listening. Like, wait, but we do all the cleaning. Like we do all the right stuff. We do everything we're supposed to do. We follow all the rules and Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. The, the problem isn't that you don't follow the rules well enough. It's not that you're not behaving properly. The problem is something within you. And it's your very heart that is just producing evil, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That our heart is an idol factory. It's literally creating things that, that we want to worship, that we want to chase after, that we want to elevate, that we want to prioritize. It's called sin. It's called sin. We can never be clean enough. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's why it's a devastating blow to the people steeped in ritual and tradition and process. They're like, wait, then what's our hope? Things are trying to sort of clicking into place now. Like, wait, you're saying there is no hope. That we're doomed. Because what was unnoticed was a love story that was being written right before them. Jesus is trying to tell humanity, he's trying to tell us, you can never do it in and of yourself. You can never be clean enough. You can never be good enough. We can never be clean or good enough. We always fall short. You see, what they knew, what they knew is the cleansing tradition and the fact that the cleansing tradition derived from a cleansing law. The high priest before the Day of Atonement would go into seclusion I want to give you a little more detail so you can put some handles to what's happening here. He would go into seclusion for a week and he would prepare. He would prepare so he wouldn't accidentally touch or eat anything unclean. He had to be completely clean. And the night before the Day of Atonement, he would not go to bed. He would stay up all night praying and reading scripture, focusing his heart on the things of God. And then on the Day of Atonement, he would bathe from head to toe. Then he would dress in white linen and he would enter in to the Holy of Holies. He would pass through this shroud. And as he would go into the Holy of Holies behind the thick tapestry, he would offer an animal sacrifice to atone for his personal sin. Then he would come out of the Holy of Holies and he would again take that linen off and he would bathe from head to toe in, in a very specific manner in a very meticulous way. And then he would put a new clean linen on and he would go back into the Holy of Holies and he would sacrifice another animal for the sins of the priests. And then he would come back out from the Holy of Holies and he would disrobe again and he would bathe yet a third time from head to toe, meticulously cleaning every aspect of his physical body. And he would place on new clean white clothing and he would go in and this time he would atone for the sins of all people. This is what the Jewish people knew. This is what the Pharisees knew all too well. 
they would also know that it was done in the temple. It was done in public. That might seem alarming to some of us, but everyone would watch closely through a, a thin screen and they would make sure that nothing was missed in the process. They would ensure that this high priest was cleaning every nook and cranny, that every process of the cleansing process was meticulously done properly. They would place a rope to his ankle with a bell on it so that when he would go into the Holy of Holies, that if anybody made any mistake, if he had erred in some way, that when God's presence would come onto the mercy seat, any type of uncleanness would strike him dead. They'd ring the bell. If he didn't respond, they would be able to drag his body out. That's how difficult the circumstances. That's how deadly sin is. That's what cleanliness looks like. And literally, as this high priest is coming out and cleaning himself, the people in the temple are crowded in and they're watching and they're cheering him on. They're giving him direction. They're making sure that nothing is missed. Why? Because he is their representative before God. The consequences of their life are in the balance of his capacity to be clean and pure before God. And so they're leaning in and they're cheering him on as he meticulously cleans every aspect of that which is external. You see, what was unnoticed by the Pharisees is that the real problem was internal. That they could never, ever resolve the issue on the inside. They focused on what they could do themselves. And they leaned into that wisdom. The problem was internal. And essentially, Jesus is saying, you can't resolve it. And the people there had to think, then we're doomed. Unless. Unless what was really going unnoticed was a love story. Someone that would love us so much. God himself that would love us so much. That he would enter into humanity. That he would step into time. You see, unless one would come, not as a high priest, but a great high priest. One who would never know any sin. That wouldn't have to, to prep himself but instead would without sin go into seclusion and he wouldn't sleep that night. He would spend the whole night, huh? He would spend the whole night in prayer. He would pray through the night, the night that he was betrayed. And the people would watch as he would be publicly beaten he would be stripped from his clothes and they would cheer. They would cheer for his death. They would bathe him in their spit. Well, I guess I shouldn't apologize for the gospel moving me to tears. Usually that's something that happens in prep, so you'll have to forgive me as I try to focus on what needs to be said. He would be the spotless sacrifice for our sin, for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of all people. 
He would do what we could never do for ourselves. Because of what Jesus did, we can be clothed in righteousness. You see, when Jesus hung on the cross and he breathed his last, it says that the earth shook and the temple, in the temple, the veil The veil that separated us from God's presence was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Because of what Jesus did, we can have direct access to God. He resolved the sin issue of our hearts. Because of the person and work of Jesus and the fact that he took our consequences, we can walk in freedom. We don't have to try to impress God. We don't have to live to be perceived as something that we're not. We just have to simply come as we are and say, God, I'm broken and I'm imperfect, but Jesus lived the life I couldn't. Would you see me as your son? Would you see me as your daughter? In this text, Jesus was dealing with the heart issue that he was addressing. They didn't know it, but he was saying, listen, there's a problem that goes beyond what you can see and touch. It's inside and I'm dealing with it and it goes unnoticed. It goes unnoticed by the Pharisees who would ultimately call for his death. How about you? Are you so caught up in this world that it's going unnoticed? That what Jesus has done and what it is he is doing is going unnoticed. That you don't even see the love story that is the narrative of your life. That God is leading and directing. Are you so focused on the behavior of others, on the behavior of yourself? Are you so wrapped up in the cares and the worries of this world that you're not noticing the deep and desperate love that God has for you so that you can live on mission That you can live as as an active redeemer in the process of the narrative love relationship that he's writing in the hearts of those around you. Are you missing it? Are we missing it? Like the Pharisees. So I ask you, what's the condition of your heart today? The challenge I want to put out. As we say every week, the text requires something of us, and so here's the challenge. I want to challenge you to evaluate what comes out of your heart and what it reveals. Because as much as we can acknowledge the wickedness of our heart, it's not until something comes out. It's not until we say something or until we feel something or until we think something that we dare not speak that we reveal the true condition of our heart. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? To be in that moment and be like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Why am I so angry? Why am I so filled with rage? Why, why am I focusing so much on their hurt towards me? What it is that they've done, where is that coming from? It's coming from our heart. We don't simply arrive at this destination accidentally. It's moment after moment of ignoring the condition of our heart that leads us to the decisions we make. And so the challenge, evaluate what comes out of your heart and what it reveals. If you're here this morning and for the first time in your life, you've considered the reality of what Jesus has done, the depth that he went to, the the love that he has for you, not because you've earned it, but because he loves you. If that's you, you can enter into relationship with God this morning. 
and you'll be just as imperfect as the rest of us, but you will have the heart condition dealt with because of the work and person of Jesus Christ. And you can enter into a relationship with God. If that's you this morning, it's as simple as praying a prayer. It simply goes like this, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've lived for myself. I've tried to follow the rules. In some cases, I've openly broken the rules. God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me of the sin of my life? Would you come and be the Lord and leader of my life? It's that simple. In fact, if you prayed that prayer and you're with us live, we'd love for you to click on um, asking for prayer and you'll go into a private chat with one of the hosts that'll walk you through the next decisions and, and some of uh, the choices that are before you as you continue in this journey of getting to know Christ. If you've prayed that prayer and you're not with us live, you can always reach out to us by email or through our website. For others of us that have crossed that line of faith, if you've prayed that prayer before, are you wrapped up in externalism? Sounds less, effect, uh, less offensive than legalism, right? I think everybody would be like, oh, I'm not legalistic. Are you focusing on the external? I want to challenge you to repent. I want to challenge you to, to consider what it looks like to consider the condition of your heart and what that reveals and repent. God, I've cared more about the, the traditions of the world. I care more about what other people are doing. I've gotten wrapped up in this mess. Lord, would you come and do a work and transform my heart? I want to challenge you to evaluate what comes out of your heart, what it reveals. Others of you that maybe are in that rhythm of repentance, of evaluating the condition of your heart, I want to ask you, are you living on mission? Or are you so concerned with the perception of people? Are you so concerned with the perception of people that you're not willing to elevate what scripture says and to live accordingly in love and in grace and in mercy because you are just as imperfect as those you're trying to reach? But are you living on mission or are you just caught up? The text requires something from every single one of us. I want to challenge you to evaluate. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, come before you this morning. We're so grateful. God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for that which you have done, that we don't have to jump through, through legalistic hoops, that we don't have to go through a process, Father, that you fulfilled the ceremonial laws, that you did what we could not do. Lord, I pray that we would live transformed by that reality every day of our lives, that we would hear your voice and respond appropriately, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm excited for next week as we continue in our journey through the series of Unnoticed. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us this morning. We love gathering online with you and growing together. We really want to encourage you to take time to respond to the word this week. One of the ways to do that is to spend time evaluating what comes out of your heart and what it reveals. We're all learning to follow Jesus. We never arrive, which means each of us will have things God wants to do in our heart and our mind. It may be uncomfortable to face what the Holy Spirit reveals, but remember, he convicts, not condemns. He won't shame you. Very simply, he loves us too much to allow us to stay where we're at. Agreed, and I'm so thankful for mm -hmm. that. Spending time with the application question is one way to worship this week. There are many others, including getting to worship together through singing. And if you're with us live on Sunday, we're about to do just that. If you're connecting at another time, you can find the video on Facebook and you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. 
search for Centerway Church and look for our unnoticed playlist. Mm. For those gathered live on the online platform, we'll see you on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.